Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. Good morning, Thrive. Happy Father's Day. I can only do this once a year. Let's raise a glass to all the fathers. <laughs> Toasts. Yeah, that's right. Mm. I don't know. Something about the environment we're in, drinking these. Just feels right. Okay. It's root beer for those watching online. I don't want to say what kind, though, because we keep getting bumped off for allow- using things we're not allowed to. So uh, it's root beer. We made it ourselves. No kidding. Um, we are continuing our remnant series. And if you don't know what that is or what that's about, the, the idea of a remnant means a steady, faithful few who have held on to the truth, who've held on to what they believe is right, what they know is true. And that's a biblical narrative. It happens over and over in the Bible. It happens again and again. And we've been focused actually on one scripture, one section of scripture. Though We're we're looking at other verses. We've been focused on one. Hey, Riker, could you turn this one off for me? Because it's going to drive me crazy. Um, Thank you so much. That one's kind of right in my ear. But as we talk about that, as we walk through this remnant narrative, I think we're not so different in the moment we're in, right? I don't know if you know, but I think our country and our world is changing. I know that is a very controversial thing to say, but it it may have shifted just a bit in the last year or two, okay? If you don't know, you can Google it, okay? Um, But things are changing dramatically, right? And so many of the things that are changing dramatically are one of the things is there being objective truth. Objective truth is is just vanishing. The idea of believing what you believe and holding to it is no longer admirable if it's not what culture endorses or embraces. Matter of fact, in some of those cases you're considered evil, phobic of some kind, um, any, any number of labels have been put on the idea of holding to a biblical orthodoxy of faith. If you believe that, then you are, and then whatever the nasty term for the day is. And there's, there's a chunk of what we believe, not all, right? There's a great deal of mercy and compassion nobody's going to complain at us about. We're still allowed to worship, thankfully, here in public, open air. Praise God. And I praise God, and I pray that that day remains for a very long time, or at least till I need to retire. One of the two. But no, I I pray for that for generations. I believe the gospel being free and open is so much better uh, than the gospel being prohibited. Now, that being said, God moves either way, and we've seen that throughout history. God will use persecution, and God, but I believe God's heart is freedom. And we see that in the book of Galatians. That's a different conversation. If you want to unpack that with me later, it's Father's Day and the answer is no. But, uh, but another time I'd be happy to. 
But speaking of somebody of a remnant, of somebody who, who stands out, who stood firm, how many people here have ever seen this picture online? You ever seen this one? Anybody here? If not, it's, it's kind of a classic picture. Now, if, now, take a minute and look at that picture, and if you can, look at the person who's been circled. All right, so if you haven't caught it, if you're, if you're not a Where's Waldo person, and you don't know what's happening, okay, the guy who's in the circle, amidst the crowd of everybody giving the Sikh Heil, he's standing there with his arms closed, with his arms crossed. And there's a reason why. He, this is in Nazi Germany at the commissioning of a ship. His name is August Landmesser. August Landmesser was a Nazi, was a devoted par- person or part of, part of the party of the Nazis in Germany, a follower until 1935 when he fell in love with a Jewish woman named Irma Eckler. And that changed his life. Isn't it amazing how when you meet real love, when you meet something that changes your life, what you'll take a stand for. I wish I could tell you that August then pushed back against the system and, and, and he was part of the fall of the Nazi regime. He wasn't. He wasn't legally allowed to marry her, so he married her in his heart and they ended up having two children. And then ultimately, he was put in prison and then sent off to war and became MIA and assumed had died. His wife put in a concentration camp. I believe one or, or maybe both of his children lived. Years later, when somebody was trying to figure out who this was, one of his children stood up and said, that's my dad. But in that moment, in a sea of people, see, to think that a whole group of people cannot become way off, to think a culture or a society cannot completely lose its way is to not understand the history of the world at all. Whole people groups can become deceived. We can become misled. And we can believe we're doing it for the right reasons. The truth is, don't get me wrong, I don't believe we're in anything like a Nazi Germany from the last election or the current administration. And if you do, you need to take a deep breath and let the Lord do some healing in your heart. That's not what's happening in this moment. But the commonalities of deception, of oppression, has that continued? Sure, always will. It happened before World War II. It's happened throughout the history of the world. But more true than that is a group of people, godly believers, who would hold on when everybody else fell away. I'm, I, I am concerned for our country. It grieves me. I don't like what's happening right now. And that's on every side of the aisle. Okay? Those who say, yeah, I mean, if it wasn't for the guy who's in now, but Trump. And then I would say, I, I know people who viewed Trump in a savior-like mentality. It was idolatry. It was, it was unhealthy. It was sick. It was a sickness in the heart. It was wrong. And I know people who do it the other way. Idolatry creeps in our hearts no matter which political party we're in. We're just good at it. 
We cannot deceive ourselves. We have to be kingdom people, and that's what a remnant is. A remnant says, my allegiance belongs to the kingdom of heaven, and the leader is Jesus Christ. That's who I belong to. That's who I am sealed into. That's who I'm with. That's who I'm arm in arm with. This man, August, in a sea of people, that moment in that day probably could have been arrested. I'm sure was ridiculed. But it's a moment. Isn't it interesting that in a moment, just one simple moment, just a commissioning of a ship, that image of a remnant lives on to this day. Nearly 70 years later, probably. Almost 100, right? Because that was in the 1930s. Standing there saying, I will not salute this party any longer. I'm not even allowed to love a certain woman because of her nationality. I will not be a part of this any longer. I cannot marry this person. I can't know and love. Why? Because she was born of a certain descent. I can't do it. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) What I would tell you is this moment, that moment, throw that picture back up one more time. This moment right here proves, and hear me out, before you respond, hear me out, it proves love does win. But it's not the love wins you hear trouted out today. It's not selfless love, it's not selfish love, it's not romantic love. It is selfless love that wins. Love that isn't about me, isn't about what I want, but what God wants what his best is for the world, that love wins. And that's what happened in his story ultimately, right? If you don't know, we won World War II. <laughs> the correct side won World, world War II. That's true. Uh, it's, not, it's not the victors who win. It's, it's God won out, right? When we go back to Scripture, the verse we've been looking at, we're talking about Paul Who's, who's talking to the Roman church, a, a very young, vibrant, passionate church, very diverse, mixed, and, and newer. And some of them are debating, can you, be, can you be Jewish and follow Jesus still? Which is crazy, because it's been like a minute. It's been like a minute since Jesus was here, since this movement started in the church in Jerusalem. Uh, five minutes ago, according like with this letter, it was just Jewish people. And now you're wondering, can Jewish people be in on this? Which is crazy, right? And the church has messed that up over the years. They bought into lies and idolatry about that over the years. Okay? We've talked a few weeks ago about Martin Luther. Great man of God. Extremely anti-Semitic. He was messed up that way. His views were broken. But in in this moment, Paul's telling them, yes, of course. Of course you can be Jewish. And Paul's Jewish. He's writing the letter like, Hello, I'm Jewish, our Savior, Jewish, right? There's always a remnant. We have this ability to not see what God is doing when things are bad. Whenever things are going wrong, I have an incredible tendency to just find the dark cloud in every silver lining, right? If there's a puppy, I'm like, he's going to poop on the floor, you know, 
Look at this new car. I don't like that color. <laughs> you know, like, I can, I can just do it, but we all do it with something. If you're like, I'm, I'm a positive person, I guarantee you, and, and, and that's the pessimism in me, give me time, I'll find something you're negative about. <laughs> right? Because we all are, because that's human nature. We have a tendency to never see the remnant of what God is doing. But we have to become, and specifically even more so on Father's Day, remnant men. I belong to Jesus and the kingdom of God to my very last breath. So as Paul's talking to the church, let's read that scripture. Romans 11, verse 2 through 6. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Do you not know that the scripture says of Elijah how he appeals to God against Israel? Lord, they've killed your prophets, they've demolished your altars, and I'm alone left, and they seek my life. But what is God's reply to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men which have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too at the present time there is a remnant chosen by grace. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. Last week, we talked about grace. And then I said this week, we would talk about truth. And on the side of God kept a remnant. See, Paul's referring back to the remnant narrative in the Bible in a time when Elijah ran from, ran from his life being in danger, saying, I think I'm going to die, I'm dead. And then he quotes Elijah here saying, hey, I'm all alone, God. They're going to kill me. And God speaks to Elijah saying, no, there's 7,000 men. There's a remnant. You are not alone. You only think you're alone. You don't hold together the church of God. I don't. I did. God holds his church together. God keeps the remnant, and he does so by his goodness and by his grace. But there's another side to that, and the side I talk, said I want to talk about this week is truth. Grace and truth. And they are not mutually exclusive. They're actually completely inseparable. You cannot separate grace and truth. They are one. They are married. They're embodied in the person of Jesus Christ. But today, I want to focus on the truth side. I want to focus on the story, uh, the quote, the saying, men who did not bow the knee to Baal. Men of truth stood in truth. Let me tell you just a minute about Baal. Not a good God. Not a great God, not a God you really want to know and follow. And he took many forms. Okay, I actually watched a history special on Baal this week, super fun. And, uh, and, and there's different, a disc or a crescent can represent him in some antiquity. Some believe Baal was even the root word, which we now get the word Beelzebub from, meaning devil, of course. And here's what they would do. They actually, these, these historians, um, the problem with this period of time is as Romans came in and took over as part of the world, they destroyed, they devastated, and I think this was the hand of God, destroyed much of the records and the people of this nation and, 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 and their worship. They were, at the time, before the Romans took them over, they were the predominant uh, 
we would call them Canaanites. There's, an, uh, there's another word uh, for them now. But we'd call them Canaanites. They were the predominant culture of the world. They were the largest, the most effectual, the well, most well-known, innovative people. They made prefab ships before the rest of the world even knew what that was. You could order a ship that would navigate waters, and it would be sent to you in parts, and then you could put it together. And, and, and they, were, they were a phenomenal, innovative, interesting, unique people, but they had horrific worship practices. They, these historians discovered these ossuaries, these, uh, of, of, uh, uh, these pots, thousands, 10, 20, 30,000 pots of cremated ashes of children. There's one lone historian who's trying to say, no, 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 no. These were, these were, these were just, uh, these were just children who died young, high infant mortality rate. That's why. So they began to do. They began to run some tests. They actually ran tests. Historians, uh, they uh, and biologists ran tests. They they and what they did is they ended up finding teeth that belonged to some of these children who were burned in the fire. And sure enough, these are these were. They would run the test to see, you know, if they were diseased. Were these children diseased? They would they find strands of their DNA and they'd figure out, you know, and to basically authenticate history or not. Were these firstborn children sacrificed to the God of Baal in order to cry out to their God as a form of worship? And sure enough, they were undiseased children, firstborns, sacrificed to this God Baal. This was their act of worship. And while I won't go into it, there was more to the ceremony than just that. What they would do with infants in sacrifice, in a moment of worship. How messed up do you have to be? Do we have to be? So there are men, and imagine this is your culture. I don't think it's that far off. We live in a culture that kills one million children a year now. And if you say, no, 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 that's for rape, it's for incest, it isn't. Over 94% of all abortions performed in this country now are for the sake of birth control. We do it now. But we don't even do it in the name of another God. We do it in the name of ourselves. My career. My future. What I want. And we can say, that's easy for you to say, Brian. It is not. It is not easy for me to say. I have five children and one in heaven. And while I love every one of them, every one of them mean I have to die to myself a little more. And I've still got a long way to go. But that's called being a father and that's called being a mother. It isn't about our story, our careers, and our future. It's about Jesus. We become men and women of truth who say, in a time when everybody takes a knee, I won't bow to this. That's what it is to be a person of the remnant on the side of truth. Truth does not change with culture. It doesn't move. When government says, hey, it's okay now, doesn't make it okay. When the government says, in Illinois, it is now legal to smoke marijuana. The Bible is very clear about intoxication of any kind. 
Now look, I'm not talking about medicinal. I'm not talking about people with severe chronic pain who have something just to get them through life. That is a different category. I'm talking about recreational intoxication. The Bible is very clear. That is sin and destructive. Say, well, I I don't do it very much. You can't do it at all without becoming intoxicated. You can have a beer and not be intoxicated. You cannot have a, a, a joint or whatever the cool term is now. I don't know. Never did it. I'll admit it. Yep. I've been pretty straight arrow. <laughs> I've not gone there. I've not done that. But you can't do that and say God's fine with it. He's not fine with it. I'm not beating you up. I'm not mad at you. I'm not shaming you. I'm telling you the truth. Truth is sometimes hard to hear. But a truth said in love is better than no truth said to you at all, because that is never love. How many of us right now in the church, we become very much like, well, it's all about my heart. How many of us would bow the knee if we thought, well, as long as I don't bow in my heart, it is okay? I'm fine with abortion, just not for me. Wrong. I'm fine with an open sexuality, just not for me. You're still bowing the knee. I'm not talking about people who are going onto Facebook and getting into people's faces saying, hey, you're wrong, you're wrong. That's not our job. The remnant doesn't stand up and be like, let's go to war. No, the remnant hold the line. And then we advance the kingdom of God. We're not going after the world. We're going after the enemy of the world, the enemy of our own souls. We're not going after those who believe lies. We're going after the liar, Satan. And we have to know the difference That's grace and truth. Grace says, I can love the sinner and hate your sin. People don't like that term now. Want to know why? Because we're pointing out sin. And they don't want to believe their sin. Because if there's sin, there's objective truth. And if there's objective truth, then somebody's wrong. But people of the remnant who don't bow the knee are people of truth. If you don't believe in objective truth, you cannot believe in anything. There is nothing you can believe anymore without truth. Relativism is a sickness. And it is unsustainable. No culture will live on it. None. Pilate said, what is truth to Jesus? Anybody here know how the Romans are doing? Not as well. Not hanging out as strong. Why? Because it fell apart. Because Pilate was parroting back a philosophy that they believed. You cannot have an objective truth. We used to believe manhood was a good thing. No longer. Matter of fact, we've erased the whole idea of man and womanhood. Right? I would argue, if you're a feminist in this room, we welcome, you love you, but if you are pro-feminism and pro-trans, you have a problem. They're at odds. 
You cannot be pro-woman and not believe there's such a thing as women. You just can't. (laughs) It doesn't work. Now, here's the thing. We believe that in our country right now. There are lots and lots of people who just believe that. That's where they are. Say, I I think I can do it. I think this relativism, because I'm believing it right now. Yet you are. But I can drive on a broken bridge for a while till it collapses. It just doesn't work. There must be a foundation. And that foundation is truth. And the truth is Jesus Christ. It's not rules. It's Jesus Christ. Those rules are bound to him. Here's here's something I want you to hear. Our former President Obama said, a kid with no dad is five times more likely to be poor, nine times more likely to drop out of school, and 20 times more likely to go to jail or prison. How does that happen? Because we become guys and not men. I've taught on this before, but that's what we've become. We became a culture of guys. And I watched it happen because it really happened over my lifetime. I'm in that age bracket that's not quite X, not quite millennial. I'm in the crossover. So my joke is uh, I'm very optimistic, but I also know how to keep a job. So anyway, sorry. (laughs) Um, I'm kidding. Uh, That idea, I watched this deconstruction of our culture happen over my lifetime. I watched, I remember watching shows like like The Cosby Show, who obviously, Bill Cosby, not the man we, we hoped and believed he was. But then watched other shows like Married with Children, and then others where... The father was a joke. And that's fine. There's plenty to joke about with fathers. We should laugh at ourselves. But show me a show. Like, but let's take it back. Let's go way back. Some of you are going to be, I'm totally going to lose you. And that's okay. You come back in a minute. Okay. Anybody remember years ago, I Love Lucy. Right? Funny show. Classic. Now, now who, who, who was the silly, goofy one in that show? Lucy, thank you. Right. Well-meaning, not that bright. There used to be a show called Blank Knows Best. Father. Now, again, I don't believe it's right to minimize or maximize, and we can laugh at ourselves. My wife, my family, and I, to this day, we watch uh, Everybody Loves Raymond and think it's great. Not a good father, but funny show, right? But again... To a point, this art reflects the culture. And now, there's not too many shows where there's strong fathers. But more than that, people of truth. And if so, they're the outliers. Or, well, I won't get into that. (laughs) Don't go there, Brian. Stay. And here's what happens. Speaking back to the church, I think this is a good picture of what happens. If you go, take your Bibles right now to John 18. Peter, Jesus predicts to Peter, here's what's going to happen. And this, I believe, is what has happened to us and how we stay out. So there are, there are those who wouldn't bow, implying that there are those who would bow, right? There are those who did bow their knee to Baal. 
And here's how it happens. I believe, all right? John 18, 25. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself. He had followed Jesus to his, to his torture, and then ultimately uh, he took off right before the crucifixion. And they asked him, hey, you're one of his disciples too. He denied it, saying, I'm not. Peter, warming by the fire, following Jesus to crucifixion. It was his second denial, not his third, but his second. In the moment that we're about to say no to Jesus, we're trying to stay near him, but comfort ourselves by the fire. We are a people, if we are not careful, we will not be part of the remnant of what God wants to do if we're trying to stay in proximity to Jesus and still comfortable. You are now entering a time, church, it will no longer be all that comfortable for us. Doesn't mean we're going to be killed in the streets. It doesn't mean we're going to be ostracized. And I'm just saying comfort and truth, truth keepers, those two are probably not going to be synonymous almost any longer. Somebody will hate you. But that's always been true. Jesus said, they hated me, they will hate you. Those are his words, not mine. You don't like it, take it up with Jesus. Has anybody here ever told somebody the truth and they did not fully appreciate it? If you're a parent, you better put both of your hands up. Right? Yes! Now take that times a world that says, I don't believe in truth. Not only, I don't, I, and, and the truth I believe in is subjective to whatever is happening in the moment. Right? Socialism is a great idea until they want your stuff. And then, not, not as much. What is that? That's subjective, that's subjective truth. Right? You can vote for him. I'm not saying you don't. But Bernie Sanders, pretty socialist, owns several houses. Millionaire. Seems contradictory. Why doesn't he practice fully what he preaches? Because he doesn't believe in Jesus. It's not because he's a politician, because he's a Democrat. No, it's because he does not believe in Jesus. People who believe in Jesus and who don't bow the knee hold to the truth of the word of God. I, we had a nice discussion this morning, and, and, and Alan said it very well. We were talking, I said, yeah, there's this, and we talked about it last week, the, the poison of the idea of progressive Christianity, which is basically Christianity that's leaving a good chunk of the Bible in order to create a, a new idea. And, and, and Alan said, basically, though, there is no progressive Christianity. It's just you're not a Christian, <laughs> right? That's really what it is. You just left. You just said, I'm out. And you know what you're doing? You know what we're doing in those moments? No, I believe in Jesus. Just trying to keep my hands warm. So many of us are doing it right now. Let's become people who have truth. Grace and truth, of course. Not people who are beating somebody else up with our truth. Like, here's the truth. Gah! How many people have been beat up by somebody who said, this is my truth? You're so afraid to raise your hands. Don't point. Just raise your hands. Don't tag them on Facebook. It happens, right? It's here. 
It's, it's, and that's kind of a bummer. But the beauty is there's a remnant. And there always will be. How many of us have failed our families in a crucial moment because we bowed our knees to comfort, to complacency, to apathy, to fear? There are times following Jesus and being comfortable are mutually exclusive. If you want to know and walk with him, you will not be comfortable. You'll be comforted. He will wrap his arms around you and carry you and hold you together. But it will not be easy. If somebody told you coming to Jesus will make your life better, they really didn't communicate things well. (laughs) Will it? Yes. Will it make everything easy? No. Anybody here ever tried to quit drugs, walk away from alcoholism, restore, re- restore relationships, marriages, forgive somebody? These are all practices of the faith. They are hard. They take a while. They are painful. And they're awesome. Are they better? Sure. Are they easy? Absolutely not. Anybody here ever stood up for truth and you're like, why doesn't everybody agree with me? I don't understand. I remember so many times in high school. Now, I was a theater guy in high school. I went to state competitions and weekend competitions and things like that. And it was fun. I had a blast. But I don't know if you know, if you're a theater person, most theater people, you know, not not passionate evangelicals as a rule. Most people in Hollywood, I know, shocker, right? Most don't go to church. And uh, they didn't either. And when I would get in discussions with them about Jesus, I remember one time just this mob starting at the speech tournament. It got so bad. And I had started the conversation with two or three people talking about Jesus. They were all yelling and screaming at each other. And I was just like, and I'm out. They didn't even notice I left. (laughs) Right? Because, Because if you don't believe in truth, you're not a big fan of hearing it. But that doesn't mean it shouldn't be told. Now, we tell truth with grace to make it go down easy. And as men on this day, how much more so are we being men of truth, honest with ourselves, honest with our family, and leading them in that truth? Remnant men say, I got this. Give me that ball. I like how Mark Driscoll said, he said, the essence of masculinity is responsibility. Men are like tractor trailers. We drive straighter with a load. We just do. How many of us defining our manhood would define it more so on how hard we work, but never on how hard we pray or lead our family spiritually? We will work ourselves to the bone, but we won't be men if manhood is totally defined solely by how hard we work, then all we are is a gear. We are more than that, men. Well, look, you don't got to pray with your family for an hour. I, I'm a pastor. I have five kids. They don't want to pray with me for an hour. Half the time it's like, hey, come back here. Hey, stop talking. Hey, no, be quiet. Everybody come here. Just, we're trying to worship right now. 
I manifest when, when I'm just trying to get kids to worship, right? Just demons start coming out of me. It happens, okay? But even there, that moment I know will pay off eventually. Because one day, they'll be yelling at their kids to worship with them. <laughs> Do you know it's something like 60 to 70% of kids who had dads in the home who were not good dads, just in the home. They could have been on their phone or drinking all the time, but their lives were significantly better. Did you know that? The presence of a man changes lives. The presence of a remnant man changes societies. Be it. Own it. Say, I don't love my spouse. Love is a choice. Pick the choice back up and love them again. Well, you don't understand. I, I know the word of God. I understand it. Love them. Be a man. Well, they gained weight. Yeah, I'm sure you stayed the same. <laughs> Be remnant men of truth. Be remnant women of truth. Hold the line on what is true. And not in a way that you're going after somebody that's saying, I'm not moving on this. I know the rest of the world is. I'm not. And I've unpacked it. I'm actually... Slowly, very slowly, writing a book on it about the idea of what has happened in the church. The seeker movement was a beautiful movement in the church for a time. Some people say it was always evil. It wasn't. They're wrong. They're looking at no fruit. They're looking at dark clouds and no silver linings. I was grateful for the seeker movement. Anybody here come to Jesus through the seeker movement or seeker church? You put your hand up. Nobody? <laughs> I don't believe that. <laughs> I think some have came to Jesus. Thank you. All right. And numerous others. Maybe somebody here ever attends a more seeker-type church, seeker-model church. Put your hands up all across the room. A lot of people come to Jesus. God used it. It was good. I was grateful for it. Do you want to know why? Because before the seeker movement, our music sucked. <laughs> Seriously, we had the worst music. Anybody here remember the music before the seeker movements? Yeah. You, don't, you wish you didn't, though. <laughs> It was awful. It was one person at an organ who didn't know how to play it, singing songs nobody wanted to sing, meant nothing, and it was like, when can we just sit down again? Some of you, now you're like new here, and you're like, that feels like what we did today. But the music was good, right? The remnant, though, believes in Jesus. The remnant holds the line, and God used that secret movement. The problem is we got off in that secret movement, and we'd adapted so much. But now, when do you move from you're adapting to adopting? We kept repackaging, and the problem is, eventually, they didn't want what was in the package, so we started trying to change what was in the package. We can move on our methods all day long. We can change it up, but we don't move on our message ever. Jesus doesn't move, and we don't move on Jesus. The Bible says he never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, and, and I'm, I'd rather stay in on that and lose everything. That's a remnant people. Not in anger. Righteous may be anger, 
but not real anger. The men who have not bowed the knee, knee, men of truth. Those men, those women who said, I, when everybody else falls, I'm not going to fall. If everybody else walks away and says, hey, you know, I'm going to change this, I'm going to change that. I want to know Jesus and I want to make him known. Let me ask you this question. If they came for your children right now, some of you, I know, homeschool because of this. Some of you are starting to. Some of you are praying through that, and I get that. Some of you can't, and I get that too. Some of you, 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 you talk with your kids through this stuff every day. But if they came for your children, what would you do? Here's, I think, a good clip of what I believe most people would do, remnant people definitely would do. Let's take a look at this. happened in the 1992 Olympics and that was his father that ran out to his side and I will help you cross this line 
And when others came alongside and said, you can't be here, what did this father say? Get out of here. I will go to war with you. How many of us want to be people of truth that says, there are whole organizations, there are whole belief systems now in the world that do not believe in the nuclear family, that don't believe in a mother and a father. You come to my house and come for my kids. You will go through me. And you might be able to probably easily take me, but you will have to take me. I won't get into the story, but that happened to our family about three years ago. I wasn't there in the minute it happened, and I flew home. I was about 10, 15 minutes away, drove 70 miles an hour or so, roughly down roads that are 30, to get there to be there for my family. But you know, in that same moment, my son, my oldest son, stood up and he he grabbed something to try and defend his family if he needed to. We were okay, everything turned out fine. And I hope and I pray a little bit because I modeled that for him. A little bit. Ultimately, it's God. But we have to become people of truth that come alongside where everybody's struggling and say, I, we will be remnant men. And when your legs are weak, my legs are strong. I got you. I know I'm fired up today. I probably sound mad. I'll be nice next week. I promise. I smile more, okay? I'll smile more next week. But we have to become people of truth who are locked in, not to our party, but to our Savior. And yes, to our families, and to our wives, and our children, and our children's children. But more than that, the Word of God, the Spirit of God. I want to know it more. I want manhood to be defined by how much I pray, by how much I know and study the Word, by how passionately I worship. I'm going to pick on him for a minute. Every time they come, Tim and Lex, then often I see Tim jumping and raising his hands. That's a man! That's manhood! The one who stands in the back like this for 27 years, look, I'm glad you're here. Awesome. Get over yourself and put your hands up every so often. Why? To model to your children, loving God is as manly as it gets. Be people of truth. When everything collapses, the spine that holds you up is the spine of the Word of God. It's your foundation. It's ours. We don't move on it. It's the presence of God in our lives. Jesus Christ. If they put me in prison, it's great because that'll still be true and I can still hold on. If they give you a death sentence, if they give you a a, a terminal sentence, if they give you a sentence that says forever you're always going to have this disease, no. I will always have Jesus and I can praise him in this and I can praise him in there and I can praise him right here. You could take Jesus out of culture, but you can't take Jesus out of me. Let's be that people of truth. Let's be the remnant. 
Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10.